the Dogma Podcast. Where my dogs at? Let's go. <laughs> Um, today's topic is a new constitution and inclusive makeover. Uh, we have with us Dr. Adrian Jones. Uh, Dr. Jones is an associate professor of political science at Morehouse College. Is that correct, Dr. Jones? It is not. I'm an assistant professor. Assistant professor. What did I say? Associate. Associate. I, I do apologize. That's okay. Um, you're you're elevating. I am. I am. <laughs> Maybe I'm speaking into existence. How about that? Excellent. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay. Um, the reason that um, this title has come about, Dr. Jones, and the reason that, you know, we've asked you, did you want to participate is because this in the political circles is a big deal these days. Um, there's just too much that's going on. There's too much of an imbalance, racial imbalance in this country uh, these days. And um, a lot of the people that I'm talking to, and it's and, and it's funny because this, this is where my mind went. A lot of the people that I'm talking to are saying that it's constitutionally. There's constitutional errors that have been established over the years. And this is the foundation and the part and postulate of, of what we, we stand on in, in the rules and the regulation and laws that we abide by. But they seem to be kind of one-sided. What seems one-sided? About it. Um, the way that it was drawn up in, in, in the, the language, I, you know, I was actually just looking at it prior to, and I've been looking at it the last week or two, but just prior to you coming on, uh, some of the language, and, and, and we can talk about that, seems to be these documents were established at a time when Africans had no rights. So I don't see how these documents, this constitution, and, and, and never mind, minus the amendments, but how this constitution can be applicable, I'm talking about practically applicable to the African-Americans of today. Um, and I've, I've went over the constitution and I do have some parts about it I wanna talk about, but just as an overview, you asked me that question, do you, are you agreeing with what I'm saying or are, do you have a different opinion? Um, I don't really understand your comment. Like, I don't understand what you mean. Um, I hear you saying that the constitution was written when black people had no rights. Um, I would respond that arguably rights were added. In the amendments, yeah. And um, that now rights seem to be um, being taken away. From, from my personal research, um, I found that when I really look at the Constitution, and I have uh, some of this information here, like about the particular amendments, like the number two, the number eight, and so forth, it seems to me when they were drafted, a lot of them were drafted back in 1865 and so forth. And these are years that was right on the cusp of, you know, just the Negro even being having a a declaration of freedom, even though it wasn't a practical freedom. Um, but all of this constitution stuff was written at a time when the African, which they were then, they weren't considered African-Americans, were literally enslaved. So I, I yes, we, there have been, what is it, um, 26, 33 amendments over the years, 
uh, as recently as the 70s about the voting rights and so forth. But yet and still, it seems like those are band-aids that have been put on because when I look at the constitution in its wholeness, it couldn't, the language and what was actually going on at those particular times it was written could not have included the African, the African. And it seems to me that the amendments were brought about at through political pressure over the years. Now, would you agree with that? Okay, I would say that the constitution establishes the country like it establishes the government. Mm -hmm. And it, um, as a result of the Bill of Rights, it provides a number of rights and protections for individuals. And originally, the Bill of Rights, um, according to the court, applied only to the federal government. And so um, state governments, had a lot of control over the rights that they were going to provide people in, for example, state constitutions. Mm -hmm. yeah. so as you know, um, you know, originally black people who were here were largely slaves. I mean, there's always been a free black community, but that's a very small population compared to, you know, the fact that we had a slavery regime. Mm -hmm you know, as a result of tensions between arguably slave states and free states, although it's, you know, more complicated than that, but this, this uh, tension between slave states and free states resulted in the Civil War. Um, then President Lincoln was arguably proactive about passing the 13th Amendment so that the Constitution was different than it was at the founding. And so now it included the 13th Amendment, which said that the, you know, slavery was at an end, although it has a very nice exception for folks who are incarcerated, which um, of course matters right after Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen the movie or read the book, Slavery by Another Name. People might wanna check that out um, because it shows sort of the post-Reconstruction on treatment of black people in the United on, States. On my Amazon list, actually. <laughs> on the way to uh, Jim Crow. Now, uh, once slavery was over, you have um, radical Republicans in Congress who oppose President Lincoln and President Johnson's uh, reunification plan. And both Lincoln and Johnson wanna be very um, gentle, I think with Southern states who have seceded. And so they pretty much only require that a certain number of Southern legislators swear allegiance to the, back to the United States. You know, they had separated, they were a part of the Confederacy, now they're back and their job is to um, pledge fealty to the nation. Um, and radical Republicans were interested in making sure that the same Southern gentry right. that had controlled the South prior to the Civil right. War wouldn't right. just show back up, which right. ultimately I think is what happened. Mm. However, um, there was this short period during Reconstruction that the radical Republicans had control of it. And so as a result, because of their political interests in part, right, they want to increase the Republican Party, for example. Mm -hmm. um, they have now 
freed all these black people. And so part of that political mission was to get states to treat black people as citizens, as is now a part of the constitution, not the original one that didn't include black people, right. but this one that includes the 13th and now the 14th amendment. And then shortly thereafter, the 15th Amendment, which allowed Black, which allowed, um, or which required that voting not be limited to race. by race, right? So in the state of Georgia, for example, when they first rewrote the Constitution and um, affirmed the 14th Amendment, which they were very resistant about doing, mm -hmm. um, as soon as the deal was done, on a bipartisan basis. So this is Republicans who are considered by black people during this period to be more pro-black than Democrats because this is you know, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, on a bipartisan basis in the Georgia legislature, they kicked out all the identifiable black legislators and subsequently were re-ejected from the union. Um, and so that they had to invite those folks back they had to redo um, their constitution and they had to affirm the 14th and 15th amendment. Mm -hmm. So I can see, for example, to your original point, how can I explain this? Um, okay, so remember when we're talking about this abortion law that overturns uh, Roe, Dobbs, mm -hmm. and um, in Dobbs, what the court is ultimately saying is that the constitution doesn't include abortion. And so we can't enforce it. So, I mean, you could make an argument that the constitution didn't include black people at the beginning. So we can't include them. I, I, can, make, I can take that position, but it's based off of facts that we didn't have during the time that the constitution was written. We did not have any rights whatsoever. We were property you know, bought and sold. So those laws and, and mandates that they were making as a governance to how the city would be run, what did not include us. We were not included in that mindset when these things, until this Bill of Rights, and, I, and what I was saying initially is that I believe they political pressure from Frederick Douglass and, and other people um, throughout the years, Martin Luther King, of course, and so forth and so on, have caused these amendments because when you look at the timelines you can almost see it you can see what was going on in the time of the country and all of a sudden there's an amendment but what i'm saying is in our lesson here and i think you're agreeing with me but in some regard in some regard i think you, you hold maybe a different position i don't have a lot of confidence in the constitution of the united states if we would take the time to read it and then we would look at the history of this particular country, we can clearly see that this was not something that was drawn up with the black man in mind. Would you agree to that? Where you went was the amendment. And um, I, I, I get it. The first amendment I have here in my notes, um, the session was held in 1789, and then the 10 amendments were ratified as the Bill of Rights. So. I get that, but when I look at the Second Amendment and so forth, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, the Second Amendment is the foundation for the, I think is the foundation for the justification of easy access to firearms. That's what everybody sits on that wants to bear and have goo gobs of, of, of firearms, the Second Amendment. Um, I don't believe that the Second Amendment is in the best interest 
of this country, whether it be white or black or any other nationality or race. I just don't believe that. So what I'm saying is that shows the fallacy of it. In this constitution, in, in constitution number 10, if the, the, this constitution said that if something wasn't in the constitution, then the states had the right to arbitrarily decide, I guess through the governance of the governor or whoever it may be, how they were going to abide by these laws. Like when you mentioned about Abraham Lincoln when he slaved, freed the slaves, well, he died before that actually was ratified. It was his vice president, and I'm not a historian, but a political historian, but is the man that did exactly what you said. He pledged allegiance to the union, and then yet and still gave the states the right to govern their states like they wanted to. You know, the, the 13th Amendment, for instance, where, you know, everything is, there's a whole foundation for Blacks that are, that are based on the 13th Amendment, but which is the slavery, except for a crime, does, shall not exist. Okay, so except for a crime, but the Black, I think this paved the way for Jim Crow and the Black laws. You know, we couldn't cross the street and look to the right without, oh, you committed a crime, you're back in slavery. If this constitution has all of the merit that people say it does, if this is really foundationally, if it's meant to be a document that is foundational to the governance of this country, why has nobody given a, a document that was drafted three, 400 years ago, or however long it was, hundreds of years ago, times are clearly different, but we have this antiquated, in my mind, political system, and it allows for a lot of loopholes and different things because it's not, and I think it, the, the main reason for all these loopholes is because we're trying to patch in some people that don't really, didn't really initially belong. And if this is not true, Dr. Jones, what I'm saying, then why is critical race theory, why are people, the teachers, a great many of the teachers, especially the Caucasian teachers, and the more conservative politicians, why do they not want to address that? It's not a new theory, it's age old, back Harvard University and before. I think that it, it should be taught so people can know what slavery really was and what it was really about. But when you open up that window and you take a clear look inside, you can see the heart of the people that enslaved us and the, the horrendous things that they did to us. And I think that that's one of the reasons that they don't want to open these doors because they can that will show the impact that all of these misgivings, all of this constitutional stuff doesn't really apply to us and you're throwing all these band-aids on as politics dictates along the years. It just does not apply to us. And I don't see how, I, don't, I know that it's affected and this is one of my questions to you. Do you think that this constitution and the unfairness of it, do you think that it's affected not just the mindset of the African-American, but also of the white and their entitlement and their privileges, um, privilege um, attitudes that they have about themselves, a great many of them. Do you think that this constitution and maybe some of the, the mindset that was behind it, meaning that it wasn't, it didn't include us, they know that it didn't include us. I mean, anybody that knows that knows because it didn't include a slave. So in all, throughout all the years, all that the harm that this has done, this documentation is done. Do you think that it may be a better idea? I, obviously, we need some governance, but maybe can we rewrite a constitution 
that would sincerely be more inclusive of all Americans? Do you think that's possible, A, and do you think it would be a good idea? Um, it's probably a good idea. It's probably not possible. Yeah, it's probably not. <laughs> it's hard enough to get an amendment through, <laughs> let alone rewrite the Constitution. So, Dr. I mean, Zoom, let me ask what, what, do, um, what do we do as, as African-Americans in this country and all of the injustice that has been bestowed on us and that is daily, we live a different life. And I, this is not a prejudice rant. I'm not, I didn't come on here to try to inflame people that may see this program. I came on here to get some understanding because there's a lot of people that think like I do how are we going to live under some rules that didn't include us? What is, uh, do you have any practical like solution or some ideas that you can throw out that maybe some youngsters here along the way can, can work with? Um, <laughs> we need some help. <laughs> we need a new thinking, I think. But anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know that the situation is going to be fixed, right? I mean, when the constitution did not include black people initially, or um, as I was talking about when the constitution has been interpreted not to include black people or not to protect them, um, we end up with a regime that does not protect black people. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had that as a historical reality. And um, it definitely feels like we are about to be in the same kind of position that we're regressing so to speak is that what you're saying um you can sure you can call it regressing i'm saying we're going back we are having a similar period that may look like jim crow when this thing when the amendment that talks about how um people are everybody's free except when you break a crime even to this day i mean anybody that's looking knows that we're judged differently. I remember my mom when I was growing up and I'm, from the time I was really young, and you probably had the same conversation. My mom told me we're judged differently. You have to be better. The history of this country, I can see why she said that. And so I wonder at what point do we come to the realization that what we're doing is not working and so that we can come together and figure out what will. I mean, it can't be done unless there's some sincerity and you know some some reconciliation and things like that that are brought about. But that's what I'm trying. I'm pointing at. It's because even though even now to this day some of these amendments are being misinterpreted for people's purposes, like the Second Amendment, for instance. What do you think? Because you've talked to many people and 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 uh, much more intelligent than myself. What do you think that this country, Black America, and anybody else that wanted to partake of anything that's right, civil rights, what do you think that we could possibly do that would help the situation along some? Because I do believe that we're going back. I think that people could uh, inform themselves. So we're talking about a slavery by another name. People definitely should check out Michelle Alexander's new Jim Crow in terms of the mass incarceration um, issue. Um, I think that people should probably look at Charles Blow's uh, recent graph where he talks about folks strategically moving, for example, to the South um, so that the state of Georgia, for example, um, 
you know, to impact the electorate here such that you get better outcomes if you have more people, you know, in more, um, in closer areas, right? Mm -hmm. People need to vote, even if they think that it's a waste of time, frankly, um, because I'm gonna tell you that like in a few minutes, you're not gonna have the option at all. Mm. Um, and to my point about the Charles Blow thing, I'm so sorry about my phone. Um, but yes, I mean, people are gonna have to uh, become involved. And so not only do we have problematic elections right now, and, but we also have extremely low turnout, right? So it's a very few number of voters making decisions. And then those decisions are also influenced by big money corporations and unions and um, you know, institutions that have more money and influence over politicians than the average person. And so um, you know, it's the kind of environment where people need to get out here. Um, you, know, you need, to, and in terms of your local government, like you need to be on that school board where it's going crazy. You need to be at the city council um, and understand who those people are. You need to know who's judging in your area and not be in the ballot box on some like, I don't even know these people, which is very easy because, you know, who knows the judges, people who are running for judge in their area. Um, I don't think also that we know enough about what the positions do. Like, do you know what Lieutenant Governor does in your state or what the Secretary of State is responsible for in your state? It's usually not just elections. The coroner, for example, I mean, you know, these are things that I'm pretty new to, too. Now, this sounds like it's not about Black people, but you know, Black people in the United States are living in environmentally challenged areas, right? I used to live in Harlem, and what was across the street? Not visible, but the garbage dump. Why is the garbage dump up here? Because all the folks live up here, right? So I'm saying all of these issues, abortion, too. I mean, you know, we know that Black people need access to abortion, Black women, Black families, I also urge you to understand that abortion is not a female issue. It is a family community issue that impacts everyone. If you are a brother who thinks that abortion has nothing to do with you, hold your breath because you're going to find out. <laughs> Sister, your girlfriend, your wife, your mother, you know, the person at work, people you care about, it's going to impact you. So I guess I don't have any grand ideas that I think, you know, will wow your audience. But I do want to encourage people that it seems really bad because it is, and it's time for you to go outside and start talking to other people, participating, particularly in local government. I mean, who the president is matters. Who's on the Supreme Court obviously can have an, a huge impact. But I'll tell you what really matters is who's running your state, who's running your city, who's, who's sending people to jail in your town. So you don't have to go to DC to become more involved in the way that I'm talking you about. Start, you start right there in your you local start neighborhood. Start right in your own neighborhood where how the school board works impacts you really directly. You know, whether or not people are getting shot by the police every day impacts you, right? Like, right. I mean, you know, so who's the governor? Yes, that's very important. You know, I'm down here in Georgia. We're looking at a Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams matchup for the second time. You can imagine that a lot of people here are interested in having some new leadership. However, um, you know, it's your job to get out here and make sure that um, you are coming up with ideas for your locality. You are participating in the ways that are available to participate. Because if we turn into a fascist nation where the new Ku Klux Klan 
you know, is regulating the elections. And we know that fascist organizations are on the rise. They march on Monday in Boston. Um, in Boston, there was a march and I was on vacation too, so I missed it. But there was a march um, during the 4th of July holiday of, um, you know, right-wing groups like, I'm gonna get the names wrong of the specific ones that were in Boston, but think Proud Boys, right? Mm -hmm. So these kinds of organizations, again, please do not rely, please, um, you know, take a look at the news coverage about what happened on Monday um, so that you can see what the specific groups are. And everyone also needs to understand that part of the problem here is that the demographic of the United States is changing and it is frightening white people because they consider the constitution to be a white government for a white country. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> so what I was saying initially, <laughs> right, go ahead. And so the prospect that white people will no longer be the majority, um, it has them shook. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, no, well, I'll say that before I, I lose my chain of thought, train of thought. The, that's the problem. That's one of the reasons why there's so much concern, I believe, with the Mexican border. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe, like anybody else, that if you, you, you come to this country, you should come, and your paperwork and documentation should be right. But I also understand people that live in countries that are oppressed and they can't get ahead. They're and not just oppressed. They're oppressed in their country in part because of politics and that involve the United States. Yeah, they're not unconnected. So like, what are you gonna do if you're in Mexico and your country is not um, secure as a result of your history and relationship with the United States? But back to what you were saying, I mean, the, everything is relative and you're right, you know, it's, and they do know that. And the, part of the reason that they're so concerned about the voting is the people, the populace is because if you go out West from like Texas back West, um, there's more Mexicans in this country than there are black people. Oh, they're, they're, a lot of these young black guys and so forth are having babies with the Mexicans. There's a lot of interracial relationships that are <laughs> born in this country. And that, like you said, that changes the political dynamics. Because usually when you have a half-breed baby, I, I have one, my babies have uh, Puerto Rican, so that's not a racial uh, slur. But when you have that type of dynamics, they usually go black. And so these politicians do know that they're losing their ground. And these old politicians that we have had for years are dying off. And that goes back to what I've said originally. This thing document is something that they had good intentions, I do believe. I don't think it was good intentions for the, for the uh, Africans, but it was good intentions nevertheless. Uh, the amendments were good, but I think that the gig is up. It's time for us to now look at these documents that we quote so often and stand on and all of this room for misinterpretation, like you mentioned, and try to figure out something that we can do collectively and write a document that is wholeheartedly and sincerely. We're know. not getting a new constitution. So, I mean, what you're saying about needing to change your minds and art, <laughs> and art. Um, yeah. is absolutely true. And that's a slow process, right? That happens one person at a time. So I hear from a lot of white folks who be like, I've been trying to talk to my brother and those crazy people at my job. And, you know, um, you would be surprised at how um, universal and forward thinking a lot of white people are. 
Um, and so there is more work to do. And a lot of the work is white work. It's not necessarily black work or Mexican work or Mexican American work or um, you know, Asian American work, right? Um, I was Wait, looking what at you, a what letter. What do you mean by that specifically? What do you mean? I mean that, so I was, I was pulling a letter that I got from a student um, who was telling me in 2020 that he had been, this was a kid who went to Radford University, which is in Virginia where I taught for a minute. And um, he was saying, he took my classes. It sensitized him to black people. I've had a lot of that from white kids students in my life. Um, and that he was in the street, you know, marching for George Floyd, becoming uh, participatory in his local government. Um, he and a friend of his were joining the city. They were doing all kinds of things that he was saying came from the understanding that he got in my class. And then in the Facebook, exchange I said to him something like great you know and I need you to talk to white people about this because this is white work you know so this is why I'm saying it's important for white people to pick up this work right I can't I can't end white supremacy um and I don't need to because that's not really my problem right. it's causing me a problem but it's not something that I'm you know that we as a community are wielding on the other people um and so hearts of you know of the now majority need to be adjusted um and some of that is happening you know i hear from white folks so to your crt point um so i have a white reader in uh, wisconsin and she has read more crt in the last three years mm -hmm. you know, than either of us and mm -hmm. i'm reading a lot so some of this development we're not seeing and obviously it's not happening fast enough um but it's coming. So what you're saying is that in spite of the fact that uh, the Constitution is probably um, uh, culprit in a lot of, of things, uh, what you're saying is they have tried to make an effort. Um, some of it's been misinterpreted and, and pinball off into something that it wasn't designed to be, um, but that- I would say that the Constitution was originally applied only to white people. Um, later, um, during Reconstruction, had some good energy <laughs> that failed shortly thereafter, um, that this energy was improved. Um, for example, by 1986, when Thurgood Marshall did his bicentennial speech, which if you read it, you can tell he was like, really, you guys are inviting me to give a speech about the Constitution that doesn't include Black people? And he basically talks in the speech about how the Constitution has developed and that now it includes more people, natives, black people, you know, other people of color. Sure. Um, and he essentially seems to say that this allows him to have some respect for a document that he thought initially did not, of course, include him. Mm. So I don't know that it's the constitution that has to be collapsed, although I'm not saying that's a bad idea, um, but, the, legis the legislators and representatives that we have in the various governments, city, local, state, federal, um, you know, we need those to be people who represent Americans. And I think right now that we're in a polarized position where our governments don't necessarily respect, uh, not, not respect, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, represent mm. everyone. 
I hate to say this, but I, I'm realizing that with these, you know, the rise of these fascist groups and like some of the shooting and the stuff that we've seen recently, including this march that I'm telling you about from Monday, um, you know, it's, it's removing the protections that are available in the constitution, right? So it's not that the constitution can't work, but it won't work if you don't apply the democratic ideas that we have, that we think about it, um, if you don't try to represent all of the people who are here in the nation. This, this all goes back to, and our time is just about up, this all goes back to a, a point I think you made several times over the course of our talk and you've emphasized, is the fact that we need to be educated. We're not in the game but the, but we're in the game for people is that they use I mean you know maybe you're not a reader right I'm reading all the time I'm studying this stuff this is my job mm -hmm. right and so part of why I like to come on podcasts like this one is because I feel like it's my job to share some of this information um, in a way that maybe is better for people if you know they don't want to read of oh, Clarence Thomas autobiography or whatever <laughs> but I'm begging you to find some podcast or some news. Uh, that you can listen to quickly on the day to day, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I'm not always in agreement with the tone of, for example, the New York Times, but I listen to a lot of their podcasts, which tend to be pretty short, um, not because I don't feel like they're not, they don't have problems with racism and other issues, um, but at least I'm getting the information. Let me say this though. So for our people specifically, and we, we, I think you and I are 100% in agreement that we need to be educated, you know, and part of our problem is we just don't care. And I'm not going to ask you, not all of us, I'm not saying, I'm saying a lot of our younger people and so forth, and I'm not going to go into the whys of that because that's a whole other topic. But I, to agree with Dr. Jones, I'm just saying for the viewers, the listeners, I agree wholeheartedly, there needs to be some engagement. We cry all the time. I hear people constantly complaining about what doesn't exist and what's not fair and what's not right. But when you start a political conversation with them, they shy away from it. They're, they have no interest, true interest in the, the mechanics of politics, just the end result. And it doesn't work like that. Our time is up, but what I, I'm really thankful that you reached out to me, Dr. Jones, because I know your, your take is a little cerebral because you're so smart, <laughs> but I, for if nothing else, I want to get the takeaway to be that what Dr. Jones is essentially saying is that yes, the constitution may have some part and parcel in, and it does, she's in agreement with that of the, the ramifications of how this country is panned out politically and so forth and racially, but there's things that we can do. And it's one person at a time and that's where we need to be. No, I just want to say this last thing. If you don't vote, you can't complain. You need to vote. Um, because if you vote and I vote and John Doe votes and everybody votes, the strength is in the numbers. And then, not that the wholehearted answer is in politicians, but at least you've made done your due diligence and done your civil duty in your local state, town, and government, or you know, whatever it may be. I just want to say that I think that people are actually interested. Um, but I think you got to find a way to get in, 
right? So I became a political scientist. I didn't listen to politics every day <laughs> before I started doing this. But, you know, um, like for a Georgian, you know, maybe Stacey Abrams lights you up. And so like now you start paying attention to the gubernatorial race. So then that can help you sort of expand. So I would urge people to pick something like that. Like, is it a city council or a school board crazy thing happening or someone got shot by the police? Like, get in there so that once you start listening to that information and those updates, it just sort of starts to expand. And then you don't, you do, you become more interested naturally. Listen, me, I come from, you know, a uh, criminal background, uh, basically eighth grade uh, was my last formal education, um, did almost all my 20s in prison, and I went to college on a GED, and it's doable, and it's all about personal constitution, and I agree with Dr. Jones, we have to find a way to get in, and I did exactly what you're saying, actually. Um, Stacey Abrams, I didn't know anything about her prior to that. I became concerned about the gubern and interested in the gubernatorial race because of her. But this I became no, interested in golf because of Tiger Woods. You know, it's not right. political, but you understand what exactly. I'm saying. No, so find is, a way to get in. And that's what you're saying. Um, find a way, something to interest you to get in. And, you know, I, based upon your story, what you're saying, like, recognize, like, you don't have to be, you know, college educated to be educated. Like, you, I'm not talking about go to school. Um, you know, you got to do a bunch of stuff, take a bunch of classes. That <laughs> was terrible. No, um, just, you know, light listening, light reading, you know, based upon your capacity, um, that's enough. And that'll get you going. Absolutely. You don't have to be as, you know, as good as the smartest person you think is, and that person might not be that smart who you're comparing yourself to. So like, let's not waste a lot of time with like, who's smarter than me? You don't gotta be the smartest. All you're trying to do is be informed. And uh, think about saving your money and where you might move. Do what? Oh yeah, you were talking <laughs> about, about the saving movie. your money. Oh, so you you're saying move. that we should move to certain states so we can bolster their- Oh, uh, the certain board. states. Yeah, there's a certain states thing. But I'm saying if we need to leave here. Oh, okay. You need to start need thinking about where you might go. <laughs> we need an exit plan? Just, you know. There are some other nations out here, um, and especially for folks who are financially challenged, you know, I mean, you got to get there. But I mean, people do well in a lot of these other nations on modest budgets from, you know, if they're from the U.S. because, you know, it's cheaper to live some places um, than it is here. So it might be a heavy lift for you to decide that you're going to move your family, you know, uh, out of the nation. Um, you know, there's ways to do that. And even folks on slim budgets um, can figure something out. Duly noted. So get in where you can fit in is, is what I'm hearing and to make a better way for yourself. Dr. Jones, listen, I wholeheartedly uh, thank you for coming on. I know you're busy and just got off vacation, but thank you for your insight. And um, I believe it's gonna go a long way. Thank okay. you very much.